In his book, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky uh, paints the following word picture. Young man, uh, a man has a cart that is overloaded with people, many more than the little horse can possibly pull. He's drunk, he's angry, and he's beating the animal. She is unable to move. There's a little boy who's watching all this, and distressed, he cries out, Daddy, Daddy, what are they doing, Daddy? Daddy, they're hurting the little horse. Come on, boy, replies the father. Just drunken idiots fooling around. Off we go, boy, don't look back. And he tries to lead his son away, but the boy breaks free, Quite beside himself, he runs to the horse, and the little beast is in a bad way, can hardly breathe. Flog her till she drops, shouts the driver. She's asking for it. I'll flog her dead. And then from the watching crowd, an old man calls out to the driver, Where's your fear of God, you mad beast? Where's your fear of God? Does that character trait figure into how you treat man or animal? Uh, let's say thank you to Dostoevsky. Thank you. It is a very good question. As followers of Jesus, we need to fear God in all of our relationships. And in our heart of hearts, if Christ has made us his own, at some level, don't we want to fear him? Well, today we're looking at the church living in the fear of God, and we've titled this, Honesty is the Best Policy. Acts chapter 5, the section Agilon just read for us, verses 1 to 11. If you have a Bible and can turn to it, Acts 5, uh, verses 1 through 11. Now this uh, account comes to us in two parts. Uh, there is kind of the results um, and actions, that kind of comparison. There are choices, consequences, there's man's rebellion and God's reaction, and there is crime and punishment. You get the idea. What's Luke doing here? He is challenging us who live in an age of relative independence and self-sufficiency. Uh, there are many people, Christians and unbelievers alike, who have this idea. Don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out on my own. There is resistance against direction, be it from parents or teachers or employer or a church leader. God has another approach. He says, uh, he says in his boldness, his temerity 
This is the way, walk in it. So Luke is reminding us that God's true, that the second person of the Trinity is the spirit of truth, that the Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's encouraging us. We have the privilege of living out of the spiritual resources that Christ provides, and uh, the Lord is calling you to be a person of truth for whom honesty is the best policy. In short, uh, Luke is saying, live out of the fear of God. Well, let's see how. First, we'll look at Luke's analysis or what we might call the layers of lying. And then after we do that, we'll take a look at how that brings judgment on Ananias and Sapphira. But first of all, now Luke's analysis, the layers of lying. Up to this point, we've seen most recently the, church, the church's response to opposition. That was the focus last week. Uh, and every gospel-preaching church will at some level uh, encounter opposition. The early church turned to God in prayer and then to one another with an uncommon generosity. And chapter 4 concludes with uh, this inspiring example, a model for all of us to follow, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He sells a piece of property and he gives all the earnings to the church to help any that are in need there. But Luke does not ignore faults in the church. He's not writing some fairy tale account. Here we have a notably sad story that follows the beautiful one uh, sinful actions create opposition now on the inside of the church. Two professing Christians, Ananias and Sapphira, they also take part in the church's communal care program. Uh, the name Ananias means God is gracious. Uh, Sapphira means beautiful. They too have a piece of property like Barnabas, they sell it and they bring the proceeds to the apostles, but please look at verse two. They keep back some of the money for themselves. Interestingly, that word keep back um, is used only four times in the whole Bible. It's twice here in this chapter, another place in um, another New Testament book, and one in the Old Testament. Do you know where it is? Where could keep back be in the Old Testament? Yes, you got it. Joshua, the sin of Achan. Remember, he kept back. Another example of a problem with money. Well, Ananias and Sapphira apparently want to claim without sacrifice. They want some kind of comfort without commitment. And they cause the first demonstration of defeat within the church since the betrayal of Judah, Judas and Peter's denial. 
Now, if you go back to chapter 4 and just look at verse 32, this is what we read. Back then, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, and they held everything in common. That was the unity that the Holy Spirit brought to the church. On the surface, what Ananias and Sapphira do seems appropriate. I mean, they're acting in concert with their best understanding of the, the, the church's vision for the future. They're being magnanimous. But this is only apparently the case. This best of Christian virtues, being generous is actually the cover-up for a private family conspiracy. The unity is ruptured, and God has been watching, and he's offended. And so now look at verse 3, please. Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Amazing thought. The holy, the, uh, Satan can enter into a Christian's heart. Now, skip down to verses 8 and 9, and look at those. Peter says to Sapphira, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to you, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Peter rises to the occasion, and he makes the matter clear and I hope you will see that the issue before Ananias and Sapphira the issue before the church was not failing to give all the money from the sale of that property look at verse 4 while it remained unsold did it re not remain your own and after it was sold was it not at your disposal why have you contrived this deed in your heart? The sin was covetousness. Greed. Look at verse 3. Satan has filled your heart to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. The sin was pretending to have been honest, to have given all. Look at verse 4. You have not lied to man, but to God. Layers and layers of wrongdoing. Ananias and Sapphira privately devise and agree on a plan to mislead the church and the Lord. Look at verse 8. To agree together to test the Spirit of the Lord. How many nights did they lay awake talking to one another in hushed tones? crafting this plan they act to satisfy their covetousness and greed verse 3 to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds and then to pretend to be honest verse 3 to lie to the Holy Spirit to lie to God however they looked on the outside 
they were in fact duplicitous how else can you say it Luke seems to make a big deal out of this thing doesn't he well how come Ananias and Sapphira seem like team players don't they seem like they're united with the church in an interest in caring for the poor personally very generous who knows they may have served in many other ways in that emerging church why make a big deal about, about this if it needs to be addressed why not take them off on the side and just sort of correct them privately nobody will have to know doesn't it seem like Luke is kind of making a mountain out of the proverbial molehill we have to go back to the basics here what is the church to be in the world remember what Jesus said in the sermon on the mount he says you are the light of the world he said you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savor how can it be salted it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trodden under foot of men St. Paul taught the household of God is the pillar and buttress of the truth the church lives out her life in, an, in alien surroundings above all she must maintain integrity in her relationships lying erodes credibility lying violates trust lying breeds suspicion in contrast integrity is the relational gold standard in the Bible we can't swerve from it without cheapening ourselves without misrepresenting ourselves to a needy world and so I hope you can see this is serious serious business anybody here ever represented any facts to anybody I'm not sure how to interpret thank you thank you I was <laughs> all right there are a few few honest people here uh, <laughs> I was getting ready to say be careful how you answer because the Bible says all men are liars and God's call he is very directive you want help with your lying place to start is to ask him ask him to help you look below the surface in your life uh, Psalm 139 search me O Lord know my heart try me know my anxious thoughts see if there be any wicked way in me and leave me in the everlasting way and 
Secondly, with some sense of having looked under the surface of your life, then come with that to the Lord Jesus. And notice, please, what Peter does. Peter does not deal with this lying in vague generalities. He is very specific in naming them, isn't he? You know, when our kids were little, I'd say, Aaron, you go apologize to your sister. And you know how he'd respond? He'd go over with his head down and say, sorry. Now, what is either Debbie or Sarah supposed to do with that kind of apology? Or uh, uh, I offend Debbie, and I go to her and I say, just want to say, sorry for anything I might have done to hurt you. How convincing is that of the sincerity of my repentance? Not at all. And so Peter specifically names the wrongs here that Ananias and Sapphira are unwilling to name. And that's what you ought to do too. Anybody you've wronged? Anybody you've lied to, you need to go to them specifically and say, this is my sin against you. I lied when I said so-and-so. Don't minimize it. Christ will set you free. He will. He will remove your guilt and shame. We're told as far as the east is from the west. And uh, then finally, make things right with those to whom you confess you're wrong. Lindsay Morris is a young mother with two little boys. When she and her, fir her husband first married, she had a lying problem. It only got worse. Things she lied about would somehow come back and uh, come to light. Her husband began to wonder if there was anything she said that was truthful. So she began to dig into the roots of her dishonesty. And she writes, Realizing I was screwing up my marriage and other relationships, I learned that God hates lying. I repented and asked the Lord to help me, and he did. She would say that every day she has to resist the temptation to misrepresent things, but she says this, I now feel free. I'm not hiding anything. I don't have anything to cover up. Well, what we've done just up to this point is looked at Luke's analysis, or if you will, uh, the layers of lying that are in Ananias and Sapphira's life. And God makes clear that he will not allow anything to stand in the way of the proclamation of the truth of the gospel and the expansion of the church. Well, so now let's look at the rest of the story, if you will. Um, we're also given a view of this tragedy of lying. The consequence is God's reaction to those who stray from the truth. And the results are stunning. God kills Ananias. We don't know how. The Bible doesn't tell us. 
we aren't allowed any insight into that question. The attendants who bury Ananias, they come back three hours later, and Sapphira um, comes in, and it's the same thing right over again. She dies on the spot, and in neither case did Peter pronounce a curse. He simply named the sin, and God brought the judgment. So please notice now verses 5 and 11. Verse 5, uh, they're, they're almost identical in their language. Great fear came upon all who heard of it, and great fear came upon the whole church. The death of Ananias and Sapphira have two results. Uh, one was fear on the church. The other was fear in the city. And let's just pause here and talk about this idea of fear. What's in view? Uh, uh, fear in the Bible is a two-pronged thing. Uh, on the one hand, it can be real quaking in your boots. On the other hand, it can be respect, uh, reverence, honor. So what happens in the church and what happens in the town? There's real fear, I think, Luke is saying there, are some, there were some people who knew about these deaths who were shaking in their boots. Whoa, if this can happen to seemingly good people, where do I stand? I think there was probably that going on. But I also think there was this other kind of fear of, Lord, I want you. I need you. Please be merciful to me kind of reminds me again of um, what it's like to raise little kids and I would say to Debbie, Aaron and Sarah uh, this is what I want you to do and I want you to look in my eyes because I want you to I want to know that you understand what I'm saying and then you know how it is they'd go off their own way and then I would bring them back and I'd say what did I tell you to do and they sort of mope around and I would get to the point where I'd spank them on good biblical authority. And it was interesting because at times uh, their reaction is they're in pain and I think they want to run away from me. But Aaron in particular would have just the opposite. He'd be broken by the discipline and he'd throw himself on me. I think that also happened in the early church. People live in the fear of the Lord. They're motivated to get closer to him when they see how severe his judgment is on sin and unbelief and particularly on lying. Now, we might want to push this whole story off and ignore it, but the Lord has it here for us because it deals with real-life issues Money. Somebody recently told me, yeah, problems always start with the money. Money and greed and deceit. Uh, one commentator puts it this way. Deceit, disunity, and duplicity always undermine the Holy Spirit's work and always erode the effectiveness of the Christian community. So where does this leave us then? We need, you need the gospel. 
we can talk about the fear of God from two angles, terror and awe. And last week we saw this positive example that's to motivate us. The church is unified and generous when it comes to Barnabas. Their, be their behavior was like a, a, a signpost. Follow Christ the way these people follow Christ. Today, it's another signpost, and it's this one. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira. Live in the fear of God. Psalm 130 seems to link together uh, the gospel with the fear of God. The writer starts out and he says, Out of the depths I've cried unto you, O Lord. He's all down in the dumps. And then he says, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that, that you may be feared. There is forgiveness that you may be feared when you come with your lying to the Lord Jesus and confess it and ask him to forgive you. The Lord is calling you to a safe place and it's in his presence before his throne covered with the finished work of Christ. Out of God's grace, the call is live like a person of truth. Be a person of truth. Imagine this. You wake up in the morning, there's six inches of fresh snow and it's powder and it's a beautiful day it's about 15 degrees and you can hardly wait to get out in it well maybe not you but there are little kids that want to get out in 15 degree weather when there's six inches of fresh powder imagine little boy he goes out and he's having the time of his life as his mother watches him out the window. He comes in, he's breathless. He's invigorated, and she says, what were you doing out there? I see you taking these huge steps across the backyard. And with a grin on his face, he says, I was just walking in daddy's steps. Can that image fortify you for the week that's ahead? You'll be tempted to lie. And so the writer to, of 2 John says this, I greatly rejoiced that I found some of your children walking in the truth as we've received a commandment from the Father. Honesty is the best policy. Lord, bless your word to us. We thank you for it. Help us, we pray, to be like the early church in the sense that we imitate their trust in you and their generosity and help us to take, take a good look at Ananias and Sapphira and stay far away from anything that looks like it's a lie. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name.